to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday morning. Now, let's turn to our next guest and topic of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about the death of the whale, whose body was found yesterday near Shelter Island in Sai Kung. Uh, the cause of the death is still unknown, and the government is now considering preserving the body of the whale as a specimen for scientific and educational purposes. Um, a lot to unpack this morning. So, for comment, we're now joined by Janet Walker, who is a spokesperson from Hong Kong Dolphin Watch. Janice, welcome on the program and thank you very much for joining us this morning. Good morning. Um, thank you for having me back in strange circumstances. Very sad circumstances indeed. And um, I'd, I'd love for our listeners to also join us this morning on Facebook as well, uh, another platform for, for them to join us. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Janet there. Uh, first of all, uh, Janet, what's your reaction uh, to the death of the whale? Uh it was entirely predictable. Um, when I was on back chat last week with Paul Zimmerman and um, the chap from He Behaven and everybody, you know, we don't want to say, I told you so, but um, it, it, it ended just as badly as we feared, basically, uh, because people won't listen. Um, you know, there was, I mean, going out and collecting the body, um, you know, the action over the dead whale was faster than anything we saw over the live whale. So um, one of my questions to you originally was, you know, what's going to happen to the body? Will it explode? Because yeah. we often see these stories. Yeah. Um, but before we can get to that, the, the body um, has been removed. Yes, which is the right thing. And it, it should be removed and used for whatever knowledge can be gained from it. And I would like to see that um, publicized and I would like to know if they can fit because it can't have been dead very long. I think they should be able to figure out what happened when they do a necropsy. Uh, look at the stomach contents, look at the wounds from both palas and see what they can figure out. And it would be nice if they could do something to educate people. I mean, I know it's a huge whale, but for example, some museums have, I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, some museums have a skeleton of a whale to show people, you know, this is really big and say, this is what happened to this whale. This is why you should stay away from them. Uh, but whether we'll get that far with it remains to be seen. That's right, because I think the government has sort of urged people over the past few weeks to leave the whale in peace and, and speedboats were were told to keep their distance. Um, unfortunately, I think when the whale was initially spotted, it had two cuts already. We're not sure how fresh those wounds were. I, I've heard from reports that they weren't new ones, but there was a third one that was found on the body of the whale recently. Um, Janet, what's your assessment to what may have happened to the whale? I mean, I obviously wasn't out there uh, seeing it. Um, you know, it could have been the injuries. It could have been, um, if there were a lot of boats, boats at one time, that's a lot of noise pollution for cetaceans, obviously, because they use their uh, sonar, sonar for communication, finding food. It may have had a very serious injury that it couldn't recover from. I don't know what the water quality is like around there. Are we Are we talking sort of... You know, if you were in the Pearl River Delta where the um, Chinese white dolphins are, I would be seriously worried about the water pollution getting into an open wound as well. There's there's so many variables there that I wouldn't like to pass uh, a judgment on that. And I'm not obviously qualified to do that. And I'm, I'm not 
luckily not the person doing the necropsy. Yeah, oh, it's a terrible position to, to, to be in. It's very sad indeed. Um, let's talk a little bit more about sort of people's reaction to when the whale first came. Um, there were a lot of boats, uh, chartered boats. There were a lot of private boats. Um, did that surprise you, sort of the intensity of people's curiosity uh, to see the whale? Yeah, a, a little bit, because there was a dolphin a couple of years ago, um, Dave the Dolphin, as he was nicknamed, living in Deepwater Bay, which, you know, he was quite well known, but he, I think it was probably during COVID as well. So maybe it was more difficult for people to get out there and rent boats. And maybe he would have been harassed as well if he'd been uh, there in different times. But over the years, various species of lone whales and dolphins have passed through Hong Kong. And there was one a good few years ago, which a lot of people went chasing after. And we actually got phone calls going, leave him alone. What are you doing? And we're going, we're not going anywhere near him. You know, we're, we're here for the native species and we're very careful. Uh, but this one did, I maybe because it was just so huge and it really did catch people's Im imaginations, which is great, but then they don't care about their local species. So why are they suddenly going rushing out there and uh, and just gawking? Yeah, it is part of the problem, you know, we're just not used to seeing, um, you know, wild or, or you know, um, animals in, in nature. Is that part of the problem? So when one comes along, as you mentioned, it yeah. it, it, it may get harassed. Yeah, abs absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. Yes. Um, you know, if if a tiger appeared in the new territories or something, yes. uh, people wouldn't people, people might be foolish enough to go looking for it. So, um, uh, you know, we've had all these rules about, um, you know, the wild boars, for example, don't go near them, don't feed them, don't do this, don't do that. Um, and maybe people just f feel they're safer with that distance of of the ocean and or the bay and they're on a boat they don't seem to realize also that you know these are big animals and they could ram your boat pretty easily whereas i would hope nobody would go hiking up you know ma and shan looking for a tiger kind of thing but i think people are a bit naive if they just think oh this is great we'll go out on a boat and everything will be fine both for us and the animal because that's not how it turned out um, and, you know, had it rammed somebody's boat and hurt some people, people would probably be going, oh, let's get out there and shoot it. You know, it's dangerous. They are dangerous. They're big animals. Yeah. I mean, what's your reaction to the whole thing? Could it have been prevented when the whale was first found a few weeks ago? Was enough done, in, in your opinion, or, or what should have been done? It's very difficult to know what to do. It's like when whales and dolphins, there's just been a case in Australia where about 100 um, of them beached themselves. And you're not really sure What's... what you can do because yeah. people are saying, oh, you should go out there and ping it and scare it away and things. But does that work? Why is it there? Has it come in because it's injured and it feels safer? So there's limits to what you can do to get a big animal to move out of the way. Uh, but I do think that the various uh, stakeholders involved were very slow to um, get involved. And, you know, we said with Paul Zimmerman last week, there was a lot of passing the book. Instead of working together, what, what, why were why was one government department saying, oh, that's up to them, that's up to them? And they could have worked together and got straight out there and uh, just kept people out of the way. It, it's difficult because the... Code of conduct that AFCD has for dolphin watching is That's right, pretty toothless. Yeah, it, yeah, um, you know, there's no enforcement, but I do think 
more could have been done to just get people not to go out there or persuade the boat owners not to take people out there. It's both the boat owners and the people hiring them. They're they're both in the wrong here. That act by AFCD came into effect in 1997. Remind our listeners once again, what does it entail? Um, it is a code of conduct for voluntary, uh, a voluntary code of conduct for dolphin watching activities. And it covers things like boat speed, uh, which shouldn't exceed, uh, exceed 10 knots, what direction you travel, not approaching dolphins head on. And it does specifically say dolphins. So I wonder if people think, oh, well, it doesn't apply to whales then. Um, how many vessels should be within 500 meters of dolphins? And that is really key because it says only one dolphin vessel at a time. And we have this problem in Thai, um, Thai O as well. There's always a lot of boats out there chasing around the dolphins. So slowing down to work speed, no, no reverse throttling, not cutting in front of them. You know, sensible things, not dropping your garbage, not getting between, uh, mothers and babies. So, it's easy for me to say, well, that's all common sense, but it, you know, common sense is, is not always very common. So, and I do believe that AFCD were handing out copies of this at the pier eventually, but it did take a while. The trouble is Hong Kong is a bit of a seaport. So marine traffic is, is very, very heavy. It's not just for Hong Kong vessels. It's for other vessels as well. Yes. Does that make it difficult to police? Does that make it difficult to to enforce uh, that even though it's a code of conduct, you, you can't sort yeah. of tell other vessels from other places? Um, yes. This is one of the problems with the dolphins in the Pearl River Delta is that a lot of the traffic is commercial traffic, uh, shipping traffic. So when we see dolphins who've been injured, we can't necessarily say, oh, that happened because a boat from Tayo got too close. It may have been you know, a shipping container or a ferry. Um, you know, that was the nice thing during COVID, ironically. There was less traffic out there. No ferries going to Macau, for example. Uh, the area where the whale was, was a, um, there's much less commercial traffic there. There's a lot more pleasure cr- vessels um, over the east side of Hong Kong. But obviously, once you get out into the ocean, that's a different matter. But where that whale was certainly was under um, the Hong Kong authorities' remit. And they probably could have done more to uh, persuade people that they shouldn't be out there. Because yeah. all those vessels out there, I think, were fishing vessels and pleasure boats. There was there was nothing like uh, um, container vessels coming through or ferries to Macau. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the lessons learned uh, from this? Obviously, a very sad ending to, to this well. Um, perhaps I was a bit naive. I was still sort of hopeful um, yeah, yeah, and and we cling yeah, on to we that. We said hope. that yeah. last week on back That's chat right. that we hoped it would find its way out. We hoped people would be sensible, you know. And I didn't want to spread doom and gloom, even though my gut feeling was that this was not going to end well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if we have learned any lessons because that those of us who were interested in it and worried about it from the start, kind of predicted which way it was going whereas the um uh you know if another whale turns up next week will the same people go rushing out will different people go out but the same boat drivers will go oh yeah i did that last week i know what to do i i you know the lesson is stay away um you know and if they'd been able to agree among the boat drivers we'll go out there one at a time you know that might have worked but there was just no organization or anything. It was just, you know, every 
every man, woman and whale for themselves and the whale lost out. Yeah, I see a lot of um, emotions on social media in particular, sort of quite philosophical ones, you know, questioning can humans sort of coexist with nature um, and people feel like they have really failed the whale incredibly. Yeah. Um, what's your take on this, Janet? Uh, here in Hong Kong, um, can we coexist with nature? We just had that conversation at home this morning and we were saying, oh, people are really emotional about this. You know, and I, I don't know if we can. You know, how, are we just surrounded by so much concrete that when anything actually natural occurs, we don't know what to do about it and we get overexcited? You know, remember a few years ago when it was really cold and they closed the schools for a couple of days? Lots of people went running up uh, one of the mountains in the New Territories to look at ice and snow and then falling over because they were wearing their trainers and they were ringing for ambulances. You know, these are naturally occurring things, but not in Hong Kong. And people get a bit overexcited about it and want to see it for themselves, which, you know, again, comes back to us going, well, we, we've got dolphins here, we've got porpoises, you know, we've got wild boars, but nobody's really bothered about them. But when something out of the ordinary occurs, we, we just don't know how to cope. Absolutely. Um, I think I sent to you that quote yesterday, um, you know, this wonderful quote by Jonas Salk. He's a guy who, who invented a polio vaccine. He's a scientist. And he said that if all insects were to disappear from Earth, within 50 years, all life on Earth would end. But if all human beings disappeared from Earth, within 50 years, all forms of life would flourish. <laughs> that it sort of puts yeah. things into perspective. Perhaps he's right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, completely, you know, you watch these sort of post-apocalyptic TV things where most of the humans have been wiped out and they're walking through the middle of, um, well, Shibuya, for example, if you saw Alice in Borderland, completely ridiculous story. But very interesting how a lot of people see that, that the humans have more or less been wiped out and the vegetation has taken over and there's, you know, lions and tigers and bears in Causeway Bay kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, he may have been onto something with that. Absolutely. Well, Janet, thank you so much. Um, and, and, you know, did you expect such an emotional reaction from from people uh, on social media after the well has, pa has passed away? No, I was very surprised when I woke up to the news. Was it yesterday they found That's it had right. died? And quite a lot of people, you know, using some fairly strong language um, and saying, oh, you know, Hong Kong has beep, 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 completely failed again, um, which... You know, maybe awareness has been raised because if there's that many people and I don't know if you follow Victor Chen on Instagram, he did a very nice little thing of, uh, you know, whale watching for dummies, uh, people on the shore, loads and loads of boats, things, things like that. So, you know, that's the only thing we can hope for from this is that awareness has been raised. Yeah. Um, another one is that the government is now going to, well, they're considering to uh, preserve the body of the whale as a specimen for, for scientific and educational purposes. Um, there's been mixed reactions with that so far. What's your feeling about this? Um, I think it probably should be preserved and it should be used educationally. But not in such a way that it gets people going, wouldn't it be great to see a whale one? So a, re a real, a real mm. whale. <laughs> um, so if it is exhibited in any way, it should be made very clear that it's quite possible that the whale died from various things and human interaction certainly didn't help it, whether that can be pinpointed as the actual cause of death. It's got to be done very carefully. Um, 
you know, when they had the 3D animatronic dinosaur things um, in town a few years ago, loads of people went to see that. And that's great. And I would, in a way, and there was one, there was actually an orca in uh, City Plaza years and years ago that you could just go and watch this orca coming up out of the floor. Things like that are amazing. So, you know, you've got to be really careful how you handle this and just make sure it doesn't contribute to people chasing after the next one. So I, I do hope it can be used for some kind of educational purpose. Yeah, well, Janet Walker, thank you so much for joining us. A spokesperson from Hong Kong Dolphin Watch, thank you very much indeed.